Welcome to the teaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California. Join our pastors as they share biblical principles of God's transforming grace so that you may learn God's word in order to live God's way. And Lord, we come again to you because you, you, Father Almighty, are the only one that we can come to. We come to you because, Jesus, we need you. And Holy Spirit, we ask as we come to you that you would come to us, that you would sit and dwell and be among your people even right now so that we can know you. And as we know you, we will therefore love you and trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. What are you afraid of? Ever impending economic disaster? Political Armageddon? From the left or the right, speaking in front of a large group, cancer. Fear is what happens to our souls when the threat of harm overwhelms trust in our resources. Fear is what happens when we believe that we are helpless in the face of danger. Now, this kind of fear is not necessarily bad. Faced with a lion or a hunk of uranium without the proper equipment, I had better make sure I don't find myself in a wrong relationship to reality. Now, unfortunately, our fears are normally enslaved by the merely unknown. That is why knowledge of reality and how to make sure you are in a right relationship to Him is what makes you free, is what sets you free from the slavery to fear. This is what Jesus was talking about in John 8.31 when He said, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. My friends, this kind of fear, this Fear of the merely unknown is out of place in the Christian's heart because though we cannot know what the future holds, you know what the rest of the sentence is. We know who holds the future. That's right. And that is why this is such a beautiful promise to me. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and He answered me. And He delivered me from impending economic disaster. Maybe not. He delivered me from political Armageddon from the left or the right. Maybe not. He delivered me from speaking in front of a large group. Obviously not. And we all know far too many people he did not deliver from cancer. But the promise is that he will deliver us from our fears. Today I want to look at the fundamental truth of the universe. The truth that binds all other truths into one. Now, if such a power exists, then it must be powerful beyond imagining. More powerful by far than the one the scientists have been searching for for a hundred years. They've been looking for the one principle that unifies the basic forces of creation 
the forces of gravity, the electromagnetic, the strong and the weak forces. Huh. You didn't know I knew Google, did you? That power is relationship. More specifically, that power is the love that holds relationships together at the fundamental level. No wonder that Jesus' best friend on earth, the Apostle John, makes plain the fact that God is love. So, if the most powerful force in creation... If love is the most powerful force in creation, then there must be a direct action. There must be a pathway to bring about the lover's bidding into the life of the beloved. There is. It's called the promise. Now, famously, we as fallen human beings have enormous problems with keeping our promises. Now, if you don't believe me, just ask yourself why we have so many lawyers, why we have contracts, and why we have mediation groups. Fortunately, God is not fallen, and He does not have a problem keeping His promises. And God's promises, listen, God's promises cover every aspect of your life today and in the future. Almost the definition of sin is failing to trust God's promises because if you trust God's promise to provide for you, then you won't be covetous or greedy. If you trusted God's promise to protect you, you would never feel the need to lie. God's promises are the answers to all of our trials, and temptations. In fact, most of you have been here at all any length of time. You have heard me say the essence, the bottom line of what it means to be a Christian is that you trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Now, because I believe that's true, I have been on a search for this unifying promise. I wanted to find the single promise that would bind all the rest of the promises together into one. And I've said for years that that promise is that God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I've said that for good reasons, because just off the top of my head while I was writing this, I came up with Joshua 1.8, Psalm 23, Isaiah 7.14, Zephaniah 3.17, Matthew 28.20, and my favorite, Hebrews 13.5. All the way through the Bible is promised over and over again, I will be with you. But Pastor Benji and I have been reading a book lately called Living by God's Promises, And in it, the author noted that he believed that he, the fundamental promise is this. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. So this week and next, we're going to look at that promise and we're going to see these twofold promises. But Benji and I uh, were going through and we started looking through the places where this promise is found. And we find it in Genesis 17, 8, where God speaks the promise directly to Abraham. We see it in Exodus 6, 7, where God swears this promise to Moses. And then we see the various new covenant promises found in Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 37, and in other places. 
Then we find it twice in the New Testament before we finally get to Revelation 21, which says, John the Apostle wrote, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, look, see, pay attention. That's what that means, by the way. Whenever you see behold. Behold, look, see, pay attention. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with us and we shall be His people and God Himself will be our God. From beginning to the end, we find this promise all the way through Scripture. It's the fundamental promise. It's the absolute take-it-to-the-bank guarantee of Scripture that encourages us, that exhorts us, and that equips us to be the men and women that God has made us to be. And that is that God is our God. So this morning, we're going to look at one of the best statements of this promise. I've already read it, but it's worth reading again. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 43. The prophet writes, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You and me, my friends, we can know God's promises. That's the first blank in your notes. Part of the reasons this is one of my absolute favorite passages in Scripture is that it combines the element of God being with us, and it's what I've believed for years, and the fact that God, the sovereign God, is the one who is our God, and there is nothing. There is no trial. There is no temptation. There is no bounty that we can face that God is not absolutely sovereign over. We can trust our God. Now, in order to understand this paragraph and the rest of what happens in Isaiah 43, we need to understand what came before it. And if you go and you look at Isaiah 42, what you'll find there is that the prophet begins with a description of who the coming Messiah is. And he gets so stinking excited about it, in the middle of the chapter, he's singing this song. And he's just like, yes, this is awesome. And then, just as fast as the song is over, he ends with a combination of lament He's crying. And not only is he crying, but he's berating the Israelites. Isaiah chastises God's people for not having ears to hear. They don't want to listen to who the Messiah is or how absolutely awesome he is. He says in Isaiah 42, he says, So the Lord poured on Israel the heat 
of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. He didn't have ears to hear. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. He did not have eyes to see. God had previously promised his people tremendous pain as a consequence for ignoring his overtures of love. My friends, it is in our best interest to trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Because if you don't, all kinds of bad things will happen to you, not only right now, but let's just say well into the future. You're probably thinking, great, Pastor Greg, that sure is good news. Perhaps not. And this is important. Isaiah's next word are, but now. Verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Don't be afraid. Why should we not be afraid, Isaiah, with all the stuff that's happening in this world? Because I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. In strong contrast to the smackdown of Isaiah 42.25, the Lord expresses a loving care of a God who longs to be your God. Whatever the threats of ignoring the grace and goodness of God, the promises of turning to Him are far greater. God's natural language, the the language He likes most to speak, is blessings and hope and grace and joy and love. And threats are only a very last resort. Therefore, The command, fear not. Oh, but Lord, there is so much to be afraid of. Fear is our natural condition, our universal condition. And, as usual, along with the command, God always offers a promise. And in this case, with the command, do not be afraid, He offers the promise. You are mine. Are you afraid of the pain in your body? God says, you are mine. He will not abandon you, but will meet you in your pain. Are you afraid of the pain of loneliness? God says, you are mine. You may be alone. But in turning to Him, you never need be lonely. Are you afraid of the pain of rejection? God says, you are mine. And it's a very real pain. Psalm 27.10 Though my father and mother forsake me, my friends, though the last people imaginable to turn away from you, God says, even if that happens, I will receive you. 
And yet, in Santa Maria, 2012, the command not to fear is so hard for us to obey. In thinking about this, I thought, well, what's the best, what's the best metaphor? It's like telling a three-year-old, eat your ice cream. The kid won't do it because you told him to. Well, here, my friends, is something far better than anything Doc Bernstein's can come up with, and we dump it down the drain. Oh, God, save us. And why does our passage say that we need not fear? What is the grounds for this promise? It is because He is our God. And because He is our God, He has redeemed us. He has purchased us from the junkyard, from the landfill of sin. The worst thing to fear in the universe is having to pay the penalty for my sin. To stand before the living God of the universe in terror of His judgment. You don't need to live there. Trust God's promises for you in Christ. God did not stop there. He paid you and me the ultimate compliment. He he called us by name. And He has called us by name and said, You are mine. Fantastic. That means we're not going to have pain. That means we're not going to have frustration, shame, or tears in my life, right? Alas, no. Verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Remember we were talking about that heat that burst into flame in Isaiah 42, 25? That heat that God sent because His people were being disobedient? It would be well for you and I to remember that that flame is still there. When you turn away from God, you will still have to walk through the fire. Remember that flood of desperation you walked through last year when you lost your job? Or you walked through last week because the curse of death became incredibly loud and extremely close? No, my friends, as long as we live in the sin-sick world, we will face trials and temptations of all kinds. That is exactly why Isaiah reminds us that we need not fear the water or the flame. There is nothing on our left hand or our right that can take us out of Christ's love. There is nothing to fear when you trust the promises of God for you in Christ. That's the second note in your, uh, your second fill in the blank in your note sheet. It says, fear not, I am your God. So we ask the question again, one more time, because we're slow of understanding. Does anybody ever feel that way? Okay, next week, lying, because I caught you all. Why? Why can we live without fear? It's because the Lord has chosen to be our God. You are mine. 
And here is the heart of what we want to find out today. We want to find God willing to be our God. And so we find it in verse 3. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The point of verse 3 is that we are valuable beyond reckoning in God's eyes. And God says exactly that in the very next verse. Verse 4, he says, Because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Listen, your worth is not based on what Oprah and Dr. Phil called self-esteem. Your worth is based on the fact that God has simply chosen to love you. You can't be good enough. You can't be pretty enough or rich enough or famous enough to get anything from God. Those are all gifts that He has given you in the first place. All you can be is the recipient of the most powerful force in the universe. Love. Love. Not self-esteem, which always leaves you fearful that you won't measure up. Because, after all, we never measure up fully to our own standards. How on earth could we ever measure up to the standards of someone else? Instead, it is love which is more powerful than the sun. That love can alone deliver you from our fears. And that's where we come back to this promise in Psalm 34, where it says, I sought the Lord and He answered me. And He delivered me from all my fears. Oh God, save us from your fears, from our fears. Are you listening? Are you hearing this? Because my friend, it's a command. Fear not. And that command is one that you and I must choose to obey. And he gives us reasons for that. Primary one today is you are mine. That is one of the promises you are commanded to trust. Now, in connection with the later verse that that happens if we kept on reading chapter 43, one commentator said this. He said, The Lord rewards obedience, not with the desperation of someone who is weak, but with the lavish generosity of someone who loves deeply and has the whole world at his disposal. My friends, don't miss this. People who are loved like that have absolutely nothing to fear. So what's the take home of all this? How can you and I live differently in light of the promise that God will be your God, that our God will be my God? The first one is you can know, you can trust that God will always be with you. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Because the God of the universe is your God, you don't have to covet or pine away dreaming for something. You and I can be content because something far better than money, something far better than any kind of security you can have is yours. God Himself.
And number two, you can not only trust that God will always be with you, but you can trust God to give you all you need for life and godliness. This is a promise such much more important than most of us realize. And we find it in 2 Peter chapter 1. He blesses us, first of all. May the grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His, Jesus our Lord's, divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life on a daily basis on June 18th, 2012 in Santa Maria, California. All things that pertain to what you're going to need when you walk out of this room, whether you go to Sunday school class or lunch. All things have been given to you that pertain to life and to godliness. Are you frustrated by someone at work? He gives you everything you need for godliness in the face of that stress. Are you frustrated by your kids or by your spouse? He gives you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Are you frustrated with yourself because you can't beat this sin? He gives you all things that pertain to life and godliness. How do we get it? We get it through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. You, because God is your God, you will not only have no lack in heaven one day, but more importantly, as far as Santa Maria is concerned, you can have everything you need today. You can reject ungodliness and live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in, in this present age. And number three, not only... Can you trust God always to be with you? Not only can you trust God to give you all you need for life and godliness, you can trust God to alert you to trouble in your soul and then to accept you when you turn back to Him. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us, to cleanse us, to wipe out all unrighteousness. Because God is your God, you can run back to Him when you stray. When you find yourself turning from God, you can know that you can know that He will take you back to Him. He is faithful to His promise to forgive your sins, and He is just not to demand double payment when you receive that payment from Jesus Christ. That is why, among the many other reasons we haven't even touched today, that is why you can trust the promises of God for you in Christ. This week, as you leave here, go through your day that trusting that God is your God. When you are faced with the fear, when you are faced with the temptation, when you're just faced with the unknown, Know that the God of the universe has said to you, you are mine. I don't promise you instant relief from your pain or fear. I don't even promise you that things will turn out the way you want. The Bible instead promises that you can have joy that surpasses understanding. The Bible instead promises that you can have peace in the midst of your storm. The Bible instead promises that you can have an assurance of the most powerful force in the universe at work in your heart 
the power of a God who loves you deeply and has all the resources of the universe at his disposal. That is the God whose promises you can trust. Let us pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, we come to you as small, finite, weak beings who are find ourselves in positions were it not for you and your grace that we we would be at the end of our resources pretty much all the time. God, I pray that you would enable us to put our hope and our trust and our love and our faith in you, God, so that we would know that we need not fear and we would know that you are with us always, even to the end of the age. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hope is that today's message empowers you by God's grace to live God's way. For more information, visit us online at gracebound.net.